0: Hey, what a great song and kind of an appropriate song as we get started into this marriage series. I mean, we can work it out, right? We can can get through this, you know, no matter what we're facing, no matter what you're going through in our marriage. uh, We all hope, at least, that that we can work it out. We want to have the very best messages that we can. There's a lot of great love songs out there, and you've probably got some favorites a lot of great uh, love stories out there, too. A lot of, a lot of uh, romantic movies that maybe you'd call some of your favorites. I was looking at a list this past week, an article that listed out some of the greatest romantic love stories of all time. Uh, the first one here, i uh, share a couple of these with you. I heard hold on. <laughs> ah, Casablanca, you know, if you like the classics. Any, any fans of this film? Yeah, we've got some hands up around the room. Okay, uh, next one uh parents of 197 all right sleepless in seattle you know any any fans uh, of this great movie all right sleepless in seattle fans i'm seeing lots of ladies hands go up uh next one the notebook uh, another popular one well lots of cheers uh the next one the titanic The boat sinks all right boat sinks but it's but it's a great film now when i read this article when i looked at these movies i couldn't help but think to myself they only asked women I mean, really, I mean, putting together, you know, the, this great list. I mean, sure, man, you know, may, there may be a few of these in here that we like or we tolerate. So I got to thinking, I sat down with Cameron and Josh and thought, what if we came up with a list? You know, I mean, like the greatest love stories, the greatest romantic movies uh, as told by men. I mean, what would we choose if we had to pick five? So the first one, Braveheart. Yes, <laughs> lots of roars. William Wallace, sorry, uh, starring Cameron Schickle. Uh, Star Wars. You know, great love story until we all discover that there's something a little different going on between Leia and Luke that they don't know about. Uh, Rocky, yeah, any Rocky fans? All right, we've got one and two and three and four, but let's pretend like five and six never happened. Uh, Talladega Nights, again, great love story, Ballad of Ricky Bobby, and finally, Dumb and Dumber, you know, great film there. You know, two men fall in love with the same woman. Little extra comedy there for you too, but... So there are a lot of great love stories out there, right? Debatable by some. But I want to tell you about another movie, a love story of sorts, but maybe a movie that uh, you wouldn't have thought of. How many of you have ever seen the movie Juno? Anybody seen the movie Juno? Okay, lots of hands. If you haven't seen I'm going to ruin it for you, or or at least partially, not completely. But uh, Juno is all about this high school girl who gets pregnant and she's trying to make a decision uh, with what to do with the baby and, and goes to a family planning center, uh, considers an abortion, uh, but, but chooses adoption and chooses to take this great and this wonderful road of adoption as a great redemptive story, a great redemptive message uh, in this movie. And, and so as she goes along, she discovers this couple, uh, this particular couple that, that is wanting to adopt a child. And they seem great, but as she gets to know them, she finds that their marriage is a real mess. I mean, it's an absolute disaster. And, and things in her own home aren't good too. There's been a divorce in the past, and so there's drama. Uh, and, and things in, in her relationship with her boyfriend aren't good. And so if I were to choose the best word to describe this movie, as redemptive as the message is, I mean, it's dysfunction. It's got dysfunction all over the place. But about two-thirds of the way through the movie. Uh, Juno has this conversation with her dad and in this conversation she asks a question that is so profound and and it's a great question a question that I think that every one of us has asked or will ask whether you're single uh, if you're in college if you're married or you're formerly married uh, Juno says to her dad she says to her dad I guess I wonder I guess I sometimes wonder if, if, if wonder if it's possible for two people to stay together for good. You know, like people in love. But then she asked this question, and this is such a profound question that she asked. She says, is it possible for two people to fall in love and stay in love forever? Is it possible? Is it possible for two people to fall in love forever? I mean, and kind of for the sake of this series, Making Love Stick, uh, is it possible for love to stick? Now, that's kind of the big question that we're going to ask over these next few weeks. Is it possible for love to stick? Now, now, now what do you think? Oh, yes, good. I like hearing some yeses. That is the right answer. Um. But some of you, maybe, you know, you haven't been married, you're like, yes, absolutely. I mean, it's everything that I dream of, and, and you look forward to meeting him or her, and you look forward to that wedding day, and you look forward to the kids, and, and you're looking forward to, you know, walking down the hall of that senior home one day and holding hands, pushing your walkers at the same time. You know, again, that's that's what you dream of. Now, some of you, you're a little, you know, maybe you've got the wedding planned, and so all that you can think about right now, though, is reception hall and details and DJ, and, and so you you don't really know what to think, and... And maybe others of you, you've been married, whether it be for one year or five years or 10 years, and you've gone through some ups and downs. I mean, we all go through those seasons where it's great and, and not so great, but, you know, is it possible to, to make love stick? Is it possible for love to last? You're like, yeah, I think so. You know, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm still holding out hope that that's the case. But some of you can only wish uh, that you had any hope. Uh, that you had this much hope, because to the question, is it possible for two people to fall in love and stay in love? Is it possible for love to stick? You're like, no way. Or at least not in my life. And maybe for others, but certainly in my situation, uh, not a chance. Is it possible for two people to fall in love and stay in love? The sad reality is that we've been exposed to so much That would tell us that it's not possible from from all of the brutal stats on divorce to, you know Divorce witnessed in and around our homes and in our lives. I mean, we don't have a lot of hope You know, we don't have a lot of evidence uh, that it's possible Well over the next few weeks uh, We're going to take some time to to look to scripture uh, to hear from god uh, In this marriage of uh, or in this uh, series about love and about marriage about making love stick And and I know that whenever we talk about a subject like this some are in and some are out And, and if, if you're, if you're a woman, you're probably like, yes, I can't wait let's talk about our feelings and let's talk about how we can, you know, make this even better. And if you're a guy, you're like, oh, Paul, how could you do this to us? You know, why would you bring this, you know, upon us? And so you're looking for every reason to go visit your mother-in-law for the next few weekends in a row. Come on, honey. Let's, you know, let's go again. But, but we really have got to talk about this. And, and, and ladies, I, I think it's important for you to understand where a man comes from in this and, and, and how maybe we're wired a little differently. And not saying that it's right, but, uh, you know, I think for so many men it's just like, well, if it works, you know, why mess with it, you know? I mean, if, if it's going, I mean, why, why take the time to deal with it? Why ask questions of it? Let, let's not mess this thing up, you know, any more than we need to. And I, I think the best comparison of this or the, the best way to explain it is it kind of has a lot to do with the way that women view cars, All right, Uh, the way that you view cars, you know, because for men, it's all about the intricate details and the engine and the way that it looks and all of the options. And for most women, at least, would you say that it's fair to say if it's got gas, if it's got an engine and there's a radio in it and such, I'm okay with it. You know that that's about all that I need. But but has it ever been like this for you before? Maybe you've been driving down the road and you're driving along and it's you and your husband and all of a sudden he's like, and he reaches over and he starts to turn down the radio. He's like, did you hear that? You know, there's a ticking in the engine. Did you hear that? And you're like, what? I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, there's something in the engine and I'll do that. I don't have know anything about cars. I'll put the hood up. I don't even know what I'm looking for. But, uh, you know, it's like we, we look for these things. You would never know it. Again, as long as it moves, that's all that matters. And again, I think that's kind of how the whole thing with marriage works too, that, that men are like, you know, why, why ask questions of it if we don't need to? If it's working, let's just let it continue to work and move along. But, but again, for the sake of marriages, we're going to talk about them. Uh, We we need this to be a safe place where we can talk honestly and openly about marriage. And and whether you hope to be married or are recently married or have been married for 25 years, you know, uh, what we're going to talk about, what we're going to share over these next few weeks, I I think, is so simple but yet so profound and uh, can make all of the difference. And so, men, uh, I tell my little boys all the time, man up. And uh, women, cut your husband some slack along the way, too. Now, if you're single... Um, you're kind of off the hook. Uh, and, and that doesn't mean check out or anything, but it just means that you don't have as much homework as some other people over these next few weeks. But here's what you get to do. You get to look around the room and watch people squirm. And you get to see a lot of men and women getting really uncomfortable. And I promise you, men will be pinching their babies, trying to get them to cry, so they have a reason to get up and walk out of the room. But, uh, but if you're single, don't check out with us on this. Uh, because I believe that there are some principles here that you can apply to your life right now or maybe for things that God has in store for you uh, in the future. So making love stick. Uh, I want to start by talking about falling in love for just a moment, because really, that's all that it takes. Uh, It just takes a moment. And and if you've got a pulse, uh, if you're breathing, uh, it it only takes a moment really to fall in love, because uh, you 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 just see someone walk by, or maybe you see someone at the mall, or it's somebody on your campus, or a college class uh, that you're sharing with someone else, and you're like, that's it, she's it. I mean, she's absolutely amazing, or, or he has to be the one for me. I mean, if you've got a pulse, uh, you can fall in love. Now, add to that that there are about 1,500 organizations out there, give or take, uh, that for the right money will match you with someone uh, whose profile picture looks nothing at all like they look in person. I mean, it looks one way on the computer, but, but nothing when you really meet them. The point is that we all have the capacity to fall in love. Uh, It's the way that God designed us. It's the way that he created us. He created us for these relationships. Uh, And so we all have this capacity for love. It's the staying in love part that gets really challenging. Now, you know, why is it that that doesn't just automatically happen? I mean, why isn't that when we say I do that it doesn't guarantee marriage success? Well, for starters, I think a lot of it has to do with we have to take into account that very few of us grew up in homes where we saw a marriage that we would say to ourselves, that's the marriage that I want. Now, I know and I realize that's not the case for everyone. But for many people today, and even more so now, this is becoming more and more true. Uh, What you saw in your homes with your parents isn't what you want. Uh, But because it's what you saw, it's what people typically get used to and repeat and adopt. You know, Jesus once said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But what you grew up with was do unto others as they do to you. Or do unto others until they see it your way. Or do unto others and wear them out until they change and you get your way. Or do unto others based on the mood that you're in or what you feel like. Now, experts who study development tell us what it takes for a child to grow up and leave adolescence psychologically equipped for a healthy love relationship. Uh, Here's all that it takes. It's it right that's all it takes easy enough we all saw that right we all saw that in our homes we all saw that in marriages around us as we were as we were growing up you know we all witnessed these regular doses of respect and encouragement and comfort and security and support and attention and acceptance and approval and appreciation and affection sounds like every family every marriage right no you know, most people don't witness these things. You know, you, you didn't see these growing up in your home. And, and so you go out and, and you meet someone and you're not in a place to think, are you going to give me respect? Are you going to give me encouragement? Are you going to give me appreciation and all these things? No, instead it's, are you hot? Or um, do you have a great job? Are we going to make a lot of money? Is the sex going to be great? You know, and what usually happens is that two people fall in love and then over time, you know, reality sets in and then we realize that that's not really what we're looking for. What we're really longing for is respect and encouragement and affection and appreciation and attention. And security and support, but it's not happening. And so marriage becomes this wrestling match of you give me security, you give me affection. Here's what I need. I need this intimacy. And we pull back and forth. And then it's all about, you know, I, I, I got to have it my way. I came into this marriage with a deficit on my life and here is what is owed to me. Here's what I need. Here's what I'm demanding. And, and all of a sudden, the person that you fell in love with, they're not as good looking as they used to be. You know, attraction isn't enough to do it and the feelings fade. And then our culture teaches that if you're not happy, if you're with the wrong person, then you're with the wrong person. And so then you make changes, you make adjustments. And it used to be I do, you do, we do. And now it's, oh well, I'm going to make a change here. I'm going to go find the right person for me. Let's do this. Um, if you're married and you're here today, um, you know, a- answer this question about your marriage. Just, just real simple. I mean, the state of your marriage right now, as you see it, is it good? Is it bad? Or is it ugly? You know, is it good? Is it bad? Or is it ugly? I mean, how do you feel about your spouse? What, 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 are you giving to your marriage? What, what faults are you seeing in your own life, and you're making the appropriate adjustments along the way? Um, would you choose him again? Would, would you marry her all over again if you had the choice, is it good or bad or ugly? You know, as we begin today, I am praying that your heart, that my heart would be open to whatever it is that God wants to do through you, whether it be in this room or when you leave here or throughout the week, that you would be willing to humble yourself regardless of where you are in your marriage right now and say, God, I'm going, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to invite you to do your great work in my life. And that may mean some serious adjustments. That may mean some serious adjustments with attitude. That may mean taking some steps, some bold steps, like seeing a counselor or, or, or taking a step back and having some real honest conversations with your spouse. You know, over the next few weeks, we're going to talk uh, about these simple yet profound practices. And as we discuss these principles, I mean, you've got a choice to make as it has to do with your marriage. Um, you, you can make the choice to settle and just say, you know, we're going to leave this thing in cruise control. Uh, We're going to avoid the elephant that's in the room right now. Um, We're not going to address some of these real issues or make these investments that are so appropriate and just hope that it all works out in the end. And good luck with that. Uh, You can say, I'm going to leave. I mean, that's a choice that you have that you say, you know, this is over. I'm going to go find Mr. Wright. I'm going to go find Mrs. Wright with me. And I'm going to get on with my life. Or you could believe that the God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same God that could resurrect your marriage, that could heal your marriage, that could heal you, that could restore you and show you and reveal to you the blessing that a marriage can be, the gift that he has given to you in your spouse. And you can believe that it's possible. You know, these desires that we have for respect, encouragement, comfort, security, support, attention, acceptance, approval, appreciation, affection, guess what? You didn't come up with them. These aren't unique to you. God gave you these desires, and it's his intention, it's his desire that they would be a part of every marriage. And so if you've longed for these in your life, if you long for these in your marriage, I can tell you this, you've got the big guy on your side, and he wants this for your marriage and your life too. So turn to John chapter 13, if you would. Uh, We're gonna look at just a couple of verses today, uh, beginning in John chapter 13, starting in verse 34. Um, No matter where you are in your marriage right now, Uh, no matter what is going on in your life, the words that Jesus spoke 2,000 years ago um, can still work today. And God can use these in great ways to transform you, to transform your marriage. Uh, 2,000 years ago, he's hanging out with his bros here Uh, And Jesus gives us the foundation for enduring relationships, relationships of all kinds, including the, I can't wait to spend the rest of my life with this person type of relationship. And that's what Jesus is speaking into. And what Jesus says here in John is so practical, so simple, and potentially transforming at the very same time. I mean, this message from Jesus is powerful and accessible. Uh, It's life-changing. Take Seriously what jesus says here and walk out the door and implement it in your life just later on this afternoon and you'll see change in fact if two of you Will embrace This message of jesus found in these words today I promise you that god can do amazing things that you can never dream of in your marriage But john chapter 13 beginning in verse 34 the first half of this verse. Here's what jesus says a new command I give you love one another It's that simple It's that profound. You know, the word new here is a Greek word that means extraordinary, remarkable, uh, something not previously understood. And here it is. Here's the big idea. Here's the change that every marriage, every person needs to say, the concept that Jesus is getting at. And and sure, he's saying this to husbands and wives too. Love one another if you're taking notes. Love one another. That's it. it. It's that simple. Let's pray and we'll be dismissed. So no, I'm just kidding. All right. And some, some of you are thinking, like, really? Seriously? Like, we pay you for this? Like, this is what we're getting out of this today. But no, stick with me. All right, Jesus says love one another, but when he speaks these words, he's actually saying something so radical that we can't understand unless we get into the context here of what Jesus is talking about. Jesus takes this word love. He takes this word that has previously only been used as a noun, and he turns it into a verb. He is saying to us, he takes a word that is formerly a noun and he turns it into a verb. And it's so important to us because we get so stuck into believing that love is a feeling. It's something that I experience. It's something miraculous that I wait to happen in my life. It's something you fall into like you would a pool or something. But Jesus says, I want you to make love a verb. And Jesus' words are revolutionary here because they change love from only being a noun into a verb. It's a choice. I mean, it changes something to an action to a verb. It's something that we do. And I promise you that amazing things can happen in your life and in your marriage if you'll make a commitment to love, to make a choice to love as an action. Watch this story.
1: Key West and she lived in Dallas and was a flight attendant and I lived here and I told my buddies that she was the perfect girl for me because she was geographically desirable. The truth of the matter is we fell in love really fast and um, within a year we were married and the first Wednesday we spent together was a married Wednesday. So it went very quickly.
2: We were both coming in with different stuff and um and it it was just really hard and so um we were really having trouble but we thought well let's have kids and so we thought kids would be the answer and uh,
1: I don't think I thought kids would be the okay, answer. Okay, yeah, so
2: we had kids and it just and it got it got harder and harder and um and so we were to the point where I was um going to move out and um We were going to counseling and Tom said that if we, um, if he would just, if I would give him one weekend to go to a Family Life conference, that um, he would help me leave. And I was all for that at the time. And um, so we went to Family Life, which was an amazing conference. And um, what I learned at Family Life was that, um, that he is my gift and that love is a choice and, um, and that I needed to choose to love him, and, um, and then God would bless that. And so um, so I, after family life and after realizing that I need Jesus in my heart, too, and I need to make this work for our kids and for us and for God, because I had made a commitment that um, I needed to choose to love him and it wasn't easy.
1: But through those difficulties um, we would have to take a pause and we would have to remember and we would have to choose choose to love each other and all the feelings I mean everybody gets married because the way that person makes me feel and those feelings are what you seek but I can't remember who said it right right feelings follow right actions when you choose to love somebody the feelings that you sought in the first place seem to get replaced by ones that are so much better and it's a commitment it's a covenant and and there's been times where because of our dirty hands and because we've walked down this pathway that uh, Shelley and I have both been in the right place at the right time With the right set of dirty hands to say, we're not all squeaky clean. Here's where we've been. And uh, so God's taken our weakest moments and turned them into the most powerful.
0: Shelly, for letting us share your story, you know, but it's so true, isn't it? I mean, oftentimes when we, when we fall in love, it's this overwhelming feeling. Uh, it's this overwhelming feeling that, that kind of drives the relationship of this big 747 engine, you know, when, it, when it's getting started. But it, but it doesn't last. Sooner or later, if love is going to last, some other kind of love has to drive the engine. You know, when love as a verb is driving things, when, when love becomes a choice, uh, when love becomes an action, when love becomes a verb, it, it can lead to the kind of love that we all hope to have. I'm blessed to be married to my best wife. Or, not my best wife. Wow. <laughs> you are. are the best wife I've ever had. And the only wife I have, which I know would really change things for this church. But, uh, uh, yes. I didn't even mean to do it. Um, so. We, we met in college and, uh, we knew of each other and and ended up in the same class. And, and as our class goes, our professor was one of these group projects kind of guys, but I'm, I'm sort of glad that he was. And uh, I signed up for a group. Well, the list eventually made its way to Jenny, and she signed up for my group. Now, she says that she signed up for my group because she knew I was a good student and that I would work hard, but I really know why. We really know why she signed up. But, but anyway, you know that began the relationship for us, and I still remember the time that we said those words, I love you to one another, but we had no idea what we were talking about then. You know, as, as much as we growing in our relationship and growing in our affection for one another because, man, 13 years later, I mean, it, it, things change, you know, and it, and it can't just be about, uh, you know, feelings. I mean, it, it has to change to something else. It's this commitment that you act on that we're always forced. I'm always forced to step back and think about, you know, how am I doing in this marriage? You know, what decisions am I making? How am I changing in my own ways, you know, investing in this wonderful, beautiful gift that, that God has given to us? Jesus says, If love is going to last, it has to be more than a feeling. Uh, It has to be followed. Uh, It has to be a choice. It has to be actions. You know, loving loving actions fly the relational 747 according to Jesus. And over time, feeling will follow. Um, I I heard someone say it like this. It's better for you to act your way into a new way of feeling than to feel your way into a new way of acting. You know, some of you are are stuck right now. You're stuck in this cycle uh, of feelings determine my actions. But, but for love to last, to make love stick, we have to turn that around so that our actions begin determining our feelings and not just any actions either. But, but do you know what actions best say I love you to your spouse? Uh, do you know what those are? I mean, it, maybe for your spouse, it's quality time. Uh, that your spouse needs that time where you're with one another, uh, away from distraction, you know, investing in each other, just having that time, enjoying one another much like you did when you were dating. Um, for some, it's uh, gifts of appreciation. It's these tokens uh, of appreciation. You know, maybe it's flowers and, and maybe it's a note that's left in a lunchbox or a note that's left on a steering wheel or something. You know, for some people, that's the way that they feel best love. For others, it's physical touch. You know, that's the way that you best feel loved. Uh, For others, it's words of affirmation, you know, and and having someone pour into your life and, and speak into your life in great and amazing ways. Uh, for, for some people, uh, it goes beyond that to acts of service, where you get the kids ready one day, even though she typically does that. Or you race home from work and get the yard mowed, you know, so that he doesn't have to do it. But it's just a way of saying, I love you, I recognize what you do, and I want to serve you in this way. And, and you can read all about these different kinds of ways of, of loving one another. A great book that I would recommend to anyone is The Five Love Languages uh, by Gary Chapman. How many of you have read this book or have it on your shelf and it hasn't been opened yet? Um, this is a great book, a great recommend for everyone to really think about, you know, what is the best way that my wife, my spouse, my husband feels love and appreciated? You know, guys, you might think that you're the greatest hunk of love, you know, this world uh, has ever known, but that may not be what your wife is looking for. Maybe used to be, or maybe she lied to you and told you that it was, but, uh, you know, maybe she's really looking for that quality time from you. Maybe she's looking for those words of affirmation or or, or those acts of service. Uh, I can tell you that if you do a better job at recognizing the love that she's looking for, you'll Make more love in your life if, if you're willing to do that with an open heart and see that, ladies. Um, you know you might need to recognize that your husband isn't just some big hormone. You know that it's it's the way that God wired him. It's the God the way that God created him, and He's given you a, a wonderful gift uh, in your marriage that uh, uh, God can bless us in great ways. You know Jesus says, "A new command I give you: love one another. Uh, love is not a feeling; uh, it's an action. It's a choice." It's a decision that we make. Love is a verb. Now, Jesus is not done here. It's not like he just drops the answer on us and then leaves us to figure out, uh, fend for ourselves as we go. But he says this in number two in your notes, to love one another. But the second half of that verse is, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And this is big because Jesus is saying, you know, you might have some great examples of love around you. And maybe for you, that is your parents. And they modeled and demonstrated love and grace uh, in wonderful ways. Uh, maybe it's some friends of your family that you see and you look at their relationships and say, you know what, that, that's what I want to be like. That's the type of marriage that I want to have. But what Jesus is saying is don't take your cues simply from others, but look to me. Uh, look to the type of love that I've lived out in my life. I mean, don't look to People Magazine or Red Book or the Real Housewives of Fort Wayne or whatever. You know, I mean, you know, look to me, you know, look to God's word, look to my example. You know, put another way, Jesus says, let me be your relationship coach in this, doesn't he? Because we can find a coach for all sorts of things today. You can get a coach for weight loss. You can get a coach for exercise. If you need help with your SAT, uh, you can get a coach for that. But our greatest coach when it comes to this love as a verb thing is Jesus. And you don't have to even be a Christian to recognize how Jesus has a handle on this love thing. I mean, maybe you don't go to church regularly and and you can at least agree that, you know what, Jesus, he's kind of got this love thing figured out. He's a great example, a great model for us in this. And and Jesus modeled this love thing over and over again. And one great example in Scripture is found in the verses preceding uh, the verses that we just looked at earlier on in the book of John, right before Jesus said the words, love one another, he demonstrated it. And he demonstrated this for his closest friends as they were sharing a meal together. Jesus got up from the meal, uh, he poured a water into a basin and he went around the room and he washed the feet of his disciples. Look at the words here in John 13 verses 4 and 5. It says, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Now, this is important for a whole bunch of things, but I want to show you a main reason. And this may be a little awkward or whatever, but typically when they would eat a meal like this, or at least for these disciples in this situation, the table was very low to the ground. Uh, there wasn't a chair designed for this type of meal, and so they would lay next to the table, and so you've maybe seen a painting before or a picture, but it would have been common, you know, for a disciple to kind of take a pose like this, you know, the kind of the JCPenney catalog kind of pose, you know, and, and sit next to this table and eat. But here's what happens. If you've got a group of men that are gathered around you, you've got somebody else's feet in your face. I mean, you've got somebody else's dogs right there barking in your face, and, and this isn't a real pleasant or appetizing picture at dinner time because this is an agricultural society, and People wore sandals or they walked around barefoot. So who knows what they've got on their feet, this person next to you. So it was appropriate and customary for a meal like this that if you walked into a room to wash your feet. But you didn't do it yourself because that was seen as low, dirty work. It, it was designed for the lowest of low servants. But there's no one to do that on this particular occasion. And so who does, Jesus, who does it? Who, Jesus that he's willing to take on the nature of a servant, that he's willing to go to the lowest of low and get down on his knee and wash each of the feet of his disciples. Now, did he love washing dirty, nasty feet? I don't think so, you know. But was he willing to do it? You bet. Was he willing to demonstrate love in this way? Absolutely. He made a choice to act. Uh, he made a choice to, to, to put love to action by putting these men first and that's what love does it's a choice it's a decision that we mean to act or make to act i talked about gary chapman in his book uh, the five love languages uh, just a moment ago uh, chapman tells a great story i don't know if it's in this book or not but a story that i heard about uh, prior to writing this book how he and his wife were going through a really difficult time a really challenging time and and chapman prayed god what am i supposed to do I mean, tell me what I'm supposed to do, how I can take responsibility to help save this marriage. And he prayed this, and and he prayed, and God put the scene of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples on his mind. And he believed that that was the way that the Spirit was working in him, to go and to serve his wife in the very same way, the very same manner. Do for her what Jesus did. Put her needs first. Make a choice today. You know, take the next step. To love her. And so he just started doing that and he just started asking her. And sometimes he asked and sometimes he didn't. And it didn't change things immediately. But this decision to love her, this decision, this choice that he made to act, it was the turning point and the revival of their marriage. And so that's your assignment for this week. Uh, If you're married, my assignment for you is to go and to love your spouse. Uh, And if you're in a relationship and you're looking ahead to greater things, to go uh, and to love that person, to go and love your spouse, uh, to demonstrate this, to to not rely on love as a feeling, but to make love an action, to make love a verb, and to find ways to love your spouse. And pray that God would give you the ability to do this. Men, uh, your assignment this week is to love your wife. Uh, Go love your wife. Uh, Go treat her with the respect that she deserves. You know, uh, Some of you men have figured this out. And you're demonstrating this in great ways. And so you can pray the rest of us through this uh, so that we do it and get it right. You know, but my guess is that for men, we've got a lot of work to do in this area because I think we're all probably naturally kind of selfish uh, about what we need. And for some of you, you might be overlooking some of the problems that are right there on the surface or just below the surface. Uh, I heard someone once say, if you really want to know how your marriage is doing, ask your wife. And maybe some of you need to go home this afternoon and you need to ask that tough question, how are we doing? And, uh, and be ready for, for what she's going to say. You know, We've got work to do in this area, but how can you love your wife this week? Uh, what can you do to love and to cherish her and to lift her up? You know, Some of you um, need a real attitude shift in this area because you feel like you've got something coming to you, uh, but you need to pray here this morning. You need to ask God to give you a new heart, a new way of thinking. Uh, another start in this and, and don't go looking for that feeling that once came so easily You know make love in action. I mean think about how your wife is best appreciated And if you don't know this you've got some work to do and, and don't do it just as a way to try and get more sex All right. Do it for the right reasons. Uh, serve your wife Love your wife and it may take a while And uh, you may want to give up by tuesday as she rejects this love and she may call you a phony and she may say, I've seen this over and over again, but prove her wrong. Uh, choose to love your wife. Don't give up. I mean, your marriage is, is way too important. It, it's too important for you. It's too important for your spouse. It's too important for your kids. Um, I tell you that there are people outside of the church today that are looking uh, for the right answers in this area of marriage. If we at this church or in the church at large could get this marriage thing right, we wouldn't be able to put up buildings large enough to keep people who would be coming uh, to, to find a seat for everyone as they look for an answer to this challenge with marriage. And so husbands, love your wives. And go and do it well. Women, ladies, um, you're not absent in this either. And so I want to challenge you. Your homework for this week is to go and to love your husband. Uh, and to love them as they need to be loved. And I know that some of you probably need some heart work in this area. Uh, you, need, uh, you need a new start. You need a fresh start. You need a reason to begin in this. And, and I can sympathize with you um, in, in just hearing some stories, but understanding how many of you, probably more so than, than not, but ha- have tried, and you've tried over and over again, and you've sacrificed over and over again, and there have been second chances and third chances, and you've waited, and you've prayed, and you've prayed, and you've prayed. And you 're here this morning, and maybe you 're barely hanging on, and he 's not even here with you today and and I can try and understand what that must be like and and maybe you 're at the place that it 's like you know one more shot or no more shots, or if there was an easy way out, I would give out If I could just say one word of encouragement to you today it'd be this don 't give up yet um, don 't give up yet um, you, you may be so close. Uh, to the greatest miracle your life, your marriage has ever seen. The same God who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, um, he can do anything in your marriage. And and you may be so close. But what would it mean for you to walk out here with another chance, uh, another bold step of faith and say, I'm going to go love my husband. And you may need to pray like you've never prayed before. And you may need to get people praying for you. You may need to ask your connection group to pray for you that you might be able to go and to love your husband. And remember this, you've got the big guy on your side. Uh, Because he he doesn't want to see any marriage come to an end. And and that dream of respect and encouragement and comfort, security, and support, attention, acceptance, approval, appreciation, and affection, it's not yours. God designed you this way. It's his desire for every marriage. And and he wants these for every marriage here today. Here, imagine with me this. Imagine this marriage, a husband and wife, respect and comfort, you know, and intimacy and support and fun and, and thriving It's possible for your marriage, whether you've been married for one year, five years, or 30 years. This is God's desire for you, for your life, and for your marriage. You know, we didn't come up with it. It's God, and he wants these for every marriage here today. Let's pray. God in heaven, I pray that you would give us the confidence and the faith to believe that all things are possible through you. God, we thank you for the gift of marriage. I thank you for my wife here this morning, my partner and best friend, and I pray that our marriage would be a blessing to one another, to our children, to this church, and to you. And my prayer is that today this room would be full of others who would join me and pray this prayer for their marriage and for their spouse. God, today would you give me and the other men in this room the ability and the power and the patience and the desire to love our wives, to love them as you have loved us. Give us the desire to do those things that we should do even as we go from here today. God, would you give the wives in the room the faith to believe that you can heal all wounds Help them to see that all things are possible through you, God. God, I lift up those marriages here today that are really struggling right now. And for those that might be barely holding on, um, I pray that they might be willing to hold on just a little longer. God, would you heal these marriages? Would you bring glory to yourself as you do a great work? I pray for those who are here today who are wounded and maybe have experience a divorce, whether it's recent or a long time ago. I pray, God, that they might find strength and healing and hope through you uh, and that you would work in their lives in powerful ways. I pray for those who are alone today but who desire to be with someone and may they trust you with this desire in their life right now and may be encouraged by your presence with them. God, be with all of us as we seek to understand what it means to live like Jesus, to love as you do in every aspect of our lives. And we teach us to love one another now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.